Funk Bible gets super funky, and on this episode of the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast, Todd Sanzone and I will be uh, teaming up again to talk about Prince's super funky Califragisexy. That's the song we'll be discussing on this episode, and I welcome back to the show, Todd. Hello, hello to you and everyone listening. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Glad to have you back. We talked about uh, Under the Cherry Moon. That was our last collaboration for the show yeah. which is a very different song than this one i would say oh, yeah. uh, from a from a soundscape perspective um so yeah super funky califragisexy is clearly kind of like one of those takes or um spoofs of um super califragilistic expialidocious from mary poppins the 60s movie with julie andrews and dick van dyke uh, that's you know, anybody who's familiar with that movie, familiar with that song, it's a clear connection that Prince was making between the name of that song and the name of this one. But besides that, I mean, that's where the similarities kind of end <laughs> between between the two songs, yes. uh, I would say. <laughs> and as I mentioned in the intro, you know, the album, the Black Album, never really technically had a name. I mean, that's just what we've dubbed it over time because uh, an album with no name and just a plain black cover, plain black sleeve. Got to call it something. I mean, there's been other black albums mm-hmm. in in uh, music history that came after this. There was, you know, Metallica's self-titled album with the black cover. There was a uh, Jay Z had one as well in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like one of those uh, tropes in music that has just been passed on after Prince's infamous black album. I guess. Great. Princess was first, yes. <laughs> it was. It technically yeah. was. Yeah. It wasn't officially released until after Metallica's, but right, we all right. know that this was created in uh, ninety seven or eighty seven, mm-hmm. eighty six, eighty seven for an eight, late eighty seven release until it got pulled. So before we get started talking about the song, Todd, as I've asked all of my guests who've been on episodes for this album thus far, uh, what is your kind of history with this record? Do you have any black album story you wish to share? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, only in, in kind of putting it in context, uh, of the time. So at the time that this was supposed to hit, um, 1987, late 1987, I was 15 years old and just coming off of, uh, the back to back to back albums parade, or excuse me, purple rain around the world parade. This is the heart of the a Prince fandom for me. This is what kicked it all off for me, right? So by the time Parade was out and, and playing, and I, I was I was full head over heroes in love with Prince. And so at that time, I was starting, just beginning to sort of dig around and see what else can I find by Prince besides these albums that I have. So I was starting to try to go back and pick up singles, and I was just beginning to hear about the the existence of bootlegs. I didn't know what bootlegs were at that point. Mm-hmm. Just beginning to learn that there was other stuff out there that wasn't official, wasn't whatever. So bootlegs. So, and I didn't know anything about the Black Album in its time, in December of 87. It wasn't until about six months later that somebody that I met in high school, you know, who was a a Prince fan, said, yo, you know, and he had already given me some stuff from like the Crystal Ball time that hadn't been released yet he'd give me some tapes he's like dude you know about black album I'm like no he's like take this home and listen to it I'm like okay so he gave me a cassette and that was the first time i heard it was in probably i don't know spring 1988 let's say and um 
really, you know, beat down cassette tape. Sound was poor, but the music was there, dude. And it was, mm -hmm. it blew my mind because what is this? This is funky. This is cool. Um, why didn't this come out? And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I lived with it for a while in that poor condition, but still loving the fact that I had some new Prince music. So yeah, got into my hands right before Love Sexy came out too. So it was like a one-two punch right back to back for me. So yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people who have shared their stories, the one of the most common, well, there's like two common denominators in all the stories. One, you received it from somebody who received it from somebody who received it from somebody. Like right. just had to know somebody who was in the know. And right. number two, poor quality audio. <laughs> and yeah. that was just something you had to live with. If you were going to listen to this in bootleg form, it was not going to be in pristine quality. And that's just a fact. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think most people would rather just have it in poor quality at the time at least than uh the not so i mean it was it was not it was a no-brainer basically yep. still to this day with all of my music you know i prefer crystal clear you know full you know dynamic range sound but if i have to hear it in poor sound just to just to hear the music you know if that's all there is i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there's still songs from the vault that have never been officially remastered and yeah. cleaned up for our ears that you know you can find out there and they sound crummy but it's it's still even in 2021 we're like yes that's a nugget of prince lore i don't have or that's right. you know this is the only way i can hear it so it's good enough for me yep okay so this song again with a title like that super funky califragisexy you kind of uh, at least i get a little bit like it's going to be we're going on a, quite a ride with this song and it's going to be well funky of course um and and probably sexy <laughs> and anything else that we get out of the song is going to just be bonus but this is one of those songs for me that you know i never really spent a lot of time with the lyrics uh, not in the way that i did with a song like bob george or cindy c where i felt like you know the some of the themes in the music and the lyrics were more upfront, either more upfront or of, of interest to me. Uh -huh. This one seemed a little bit more abstract, and so with the with the music as fast and funky and loose as it is, the lyrics always took a back seat. Yeah, and so I I never dug too much into it, but um, as we start going through the lyrics and start talking about the themes of this song, it becomes a little more evident to me, at least, even though it wasn't for years what Prince is trying to convey in this song. Uh, uh, we probably have the same ideas of what Prince is trying to convey in this song lyrically. I mean, from, a, from again, from a musical standpoint, it's, it's fast and funky and, and it's meant for dancing, right? I mean, it's a, it's a dance jam for the most yeah. part. Yeah. What are you, what are your thoughts about this song in general before we start talking about the lyrics? Yeah, Where does so... it fit on in your mind on the black album, as far as like strengths and weaknesses? Oh, it's just one of the strongest tracks. I mean, and I think Prince thought so too, because he put it in the Love Sexy live set, right? So uh, it and Bob George were the two features on the Love Sexy tour. So I've got to believe that he felt that, you know, these were the two of the best tracks on the album, or at least two that fit best in concert setting. So, and the ones that sort of, you know, brought that Black Album vibe into the whole storyline behind, you know, Love Sexy you know, how, how Love Sexy evolved from, 
you know, the spooky electric uh, of the of the Black Album. Anyway, so yeah, it's great um, as far as the song overall. It falls right into a category with some others that I would compare it to th- uh, thematically, like where he's just describing a sexual interlude, whether he's an active participant or maybe even a um, uh, an observer. I don't know, but songs that come to mind, Darling Nikki is the first one, maybe, or um, Pheromone from the Cub album, or Rip Op Go to Zippa. Um, it's just talking about let's you know getting down and dirty with with his girl or observing some some stuff going down, um, you know. And this is just another one of those. It's uh, it's a little S and M going on, which is acted out on on the concert stage <laughs> during the Love Sexy tour, and and yeah, musically it's just damn funky, um, and it just uh, you know the, the 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 sex is funky and the song is funky. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Uh, I think it's, it's a great um, kind of next song after Bob George, because Bob George is the big kind of like centerpiece of the album, literally, because it's like track number five out of eight. So it's like right in the middle. And also figuratively, because it's one of the more memorable songs. And again, like this song, it was chosen to be re- uh, played on the Love Sexy Tour, performed on the Love Sexy Tour, even though it was coming from an unreleased album. Uh, so the themes of that song, violence and jealousy, uh, envy, really were keys to telling the narrative that Prince was trying to express during the tour about his dark and sex, uh, dark and sex-filled, lust-filled first half versus the spiritual uh-huh. saved prince in the second half of the the concert and while this is uh obviously i think both songs are fun don't get me wrong i think bob George is a fun song in spite of its dark lyric con- uh-huh. lyrical content this song is also fun but there's some there's some kind of fucked up stuff going on in this song Todd. <laughs> <laughs> i mean let's just be honest there's, yeah. some, there's some messed up stuff going on in the song in the yeah. from a lyrical standpoint can we say artichoke <laughs> We could say it. some artichoke <laughs> stuff going on now. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, th- one of the things that I have kind of read about the song and maybe what it's trying to convey is what it feels like to be on ecstasy. Like a lot of the lyrics seem to point to that. I, but I honestly, I've never taken ecstasy. I, I so I can't speak to it. Uh, and. You know, there's obviously stories that have gone around around the Black Album and why it was pulled at the last minute, yada, yada. I don't want to hear be here to gossip, but when you start going through the lyrics, you start making, or and if you have that idea in your mind, like maybe Prince is trying to express what it feels like to be on an ecstasy trip, then it, it, it makes sense to me. doesn't mean that it's right, doesn't mean that that is accurate, but it makes sense. I don't know if you have you ever heard that theory before, Todd. Yeah, I, you know I know the story of you know allegedly Prince was given some ecstasy and he went on this trip and coming out of that is what uh, caused him to want to uh, move away from the darkness of the Black Album and toward toward the light of Love Sexy, if you will. So yeah, and this you know there's certainly some imagery and um, and wording and things in the song that are trippy. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. So yeah, yeah, 
and I'm not here to like definitively state this is a song about an ecstasy trip because I don't know. I didn't write it. Um, so if anybody else has alternate ideas, and if we have alternate ideas in the course of going through the lyrics, we'll definitely express them. But it's really kind of hard for me now to look at the song in a different way now that I've heard that theory because it just like the pieces now fit a little bit better for me for better or for worse. And sometimes right. that's for worse, you know, like you kind of want to have your own idea about a song. And then when you're told a theory, like, Oh yeah, that does kind of make sense. But now that's like, eh, it's less interesting now that I know that, or maybe it's more interesting. It just yeah. depends on the, the song and the whether it's true or not theories. true. It's believable. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's, you know, exactly. So the song starts off with kind of Prince doing this like deranged, laughter like ah, <laughs> it's like a pre-joker joker laugh <laughs> yeah, yeah so it kind of sets the stage for us as the listener that this is going to be wild like this is going to be a wild trip yeah and uh, it's also basically a kind of more for lack of a better word a rap song which is i mean rap song in in the style in the manner in which he delivers the lyrics not a rap song in terms of like it's music it's beat you know, but the way that Prince delivers the lyrics, he's basically rapping them, for, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, which I always find a little bit ironic, considering this is the album that has dead on it. <laughs> so, um, so clearly, like he dipping his toes a little bit into the rap genre. He didn't like some things about it, liked some things about it. Uh, he expressed what he didn't like on dead on it, but he's taking what he does like. For a song like Super Funky Califragisexy. And I think yeah. these lyrics fit well in the kind of like a rap flow or rap cadence. Yeah, Prince was definitely um of you know, he was he he lived in the real world. He knew what was going on around him musically. He could see the advent of hip hop and the and the progression that it was taking. Uh maybe he didn't think it was gonna last, maybe he thought it was a you know, a short lived uh, little fad. Uh, clearly, if he did think that, he was wrong. Um, but yeah, this is definitely kind of his first poke at trying to, um, uh, you know, along with, you know, Sign of the Times too, a little bit, you know, bring back the, the black to his music. And this mm-hmm. was even a ne- the next step forward in trying to, you know, on one hand, he's got dead on it where he's, you know, banging on rappers and, and hip hop. But, but he's also, you know, whether consciously or not, incorporating the sound into his song so yeah and this is a good example of that for sure yeah, yeah. and and even on like bob george with some of the slang he uses and just a little bit of the the style that you know he portrays himself as uh in that song as the i don't know if he's the protagonist or the antagonist honestly in that song right, but right he's both he's both a little bit your body needs water keep dense because you ought to keep the blood flowing down to your feet brother maurice will be round in a minute with a bucket filled in it squirrel me the blood real good if you drink it real fast but the aftertaste just lasts and lasts so if you kiss somebody you want to party all night Okay, so when he finally starts, not finally, I mean, this, the song is like six minutes long, and there's a decent amount of lyrics, although a lot of it is, towards the end, it's just repeats. Uh-huh. But the first actual verse of lyrics in the song is, if your body needs water, keep on dancing, because you oughta 
Keep the blood flowing down to your feet. Brother Maurice will be around in a minute with a bucket filled in it. Squirrel meat. The blood real good if you drink it real fast, but the aftertaste just lasts and lasts. So if you kiss somebody, you want to party all night. All right. Okay. So the stuff that he's saying here in this first verse, like once I heard that it could be about a drug trip, specifically ecstasy, I started looking into like what are some of the symptoms? What are some of the side effects of taking this drug? Well, one was dehydration. <laughs> if mm. your body needs water mm-hmm. and for anybody who's even even the the tiniest bit vaguely familiar with the drug ecstasy it's most commonly tied to um rave culture uh you know dance culture and so he mentions right there in the second line keep on dancing because you oughta keep blood flowing down to your feet so that's just gives you again imagery of of a dance party or you know an early rave or something along those lines uh-huh. um so those are some of the things early on in the song that kind of point to that just like it's potentially what that is about uh, then we get the line about well brother maurice will be around in a minute neither of us seem to know who brother maurice is we talked a little know. bit about this ahead of time and i need uh, somebody to hit me up on twitter with who maurice is yeah I don't exactly know. <laughs> yes i don't know who maurice is i don't know anybody in prince's camp at the time you know any of his friends none of his bodyguards i don't know who maurice is i didn't spend a whole lot of time researching it but i don't you know just off the top of my head i can't think of anybody doesn't mean there isn't a real Maurice, but it also could just be, you know, nobody, just a name right. that he used. What we need is Dwayne Tudor to come out with his next book. Yeah, because this song... Maybe just, maybe just explain it for us. Because <laughs> this song was not written in 85, 86, well, at least not right. documented. Right. It was recorded in 87, but, you know, Dwayne's books are all about recording mm-hmm. and recording dates and studio sessions, so... If it was written in 86, that wouldn't be part of the book. It was recorded, right. according to Prince Vault, in January of 87. So just missed the cutoff yep. <laughs> for his latest book. Uh, we need an 87, 88 book next, I guess. Yes. But... Dwayne, if you're listening, we're already late. <laughs> but I think the squirrel meat lie, man. Well, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass the baton over to you. What do you, what do you think squirrel meat's referring to here? I have no idea. Like, <laughs> what do you What do you want me to make of this? Uh, it's, you know, um, don't know. It's bizarre. I, and I, I guess bizarre. that the, the squirrel meat was a mention. Um, the first, the first mention I got of it was, you know, why am I blanking all of a sudden? Was squirrel meat mentioned in the song? It's going to be a beautiful night, or just on the live performance on the Sign of the Times video? I think it was just in the live performance. I think so too. So that would have been the first time. I'd heard reference to squirrel meat, and I just thought it was funky, funny, whatever. I didn't. I don't pay too much mind. Uh, I don't want to get trapped and try to dig some meaning out of it. I just think it's uh, funny. Now, that mm-hmm. said, we're a lyrics podcast here, right? So we want to dig deep into it a little bit, a little bit anyway. So yeah, it could definitely put be pulled from some trippy, you know, drug fueled, you know, vision that was going on, but. Uh, or it could just be funny. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could just be some sort of weird abstract phrase mm-hmm. that means nothing, or it can be another weird abstract phrase that means, like, he's referring to potentially 
ecstasy again. Like the squirrel meat, if the squirrel meat is the ecstasy, Brother mm. Maurice is the pusher in mm. this in this case. Not pusher, just drug provider. We'll just say we'll just say drug okay. provider. All right. And he's got in his bucket is like, I don't know, like a little baggie or container. I who knows? I mean, it's all just we don't know for a fact what this is. And if we're just using context clues based off of what maybe the song is about, what we think it's probably about, uh-huh. then that might make sense. But it could also mean literally nothing or anything. <laughs> right. I've heard somebody say that it's referring to uh, female anatomy, too. I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's pushing it, I think. <laughs> that seems like a stretch to me. But <laughs> just let just goes to show, though, when you when you paint a picture so abstract and so vague, then people can take it to mean just about anything and doesn't make it wrong, even if it seems a little odd to us. Um, but yeah, I'm just curious what other people think about it. Squirrel meat. It's not the last time we'll hear Prince say that, as you already mentioned mm-hmm. uh, in a live performance. I also wondered if it was just kind of like a funk phrase or the, something that he made up um, to kind of represent like some of those more uh, traditional phrases that, you know, funk musicians would say when on stage to kind of just indicate like this is the time to like cues to uh you know for horn play or you know baseline addition or something uh, off the cuff uh seemingly off the cuff but still planned like prince was yeah. good at that like he would um they would everything would be meticulously planned in his live shows and then the performer or the audience would make it sound like it was like kind of a off the cuff or just kind of um like a jam type thing where it wasn't pre-planned but we don't know what squirrel meat really refers to we can just guess yeah i can totally imagine you know in in a moment of downtime playfulness during rehearsal whatever he's just jawing with the fellas you know with brooks and wally or whoever's hanging and, and some silly comment came out that included the phrase squirrel meat and it stuck in prince's head and then it's got you know, ended up in this song. So, <laughs> yeah. And his, his intention was just to put it in as many songs in a short amount of time as possible. <laughs> yeah. We hear, we even hear it in again on this album. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what else do we have in this verse? We've got the blood real good. If you drink it real fast again, that's a really kind of like WTF line. Uh, <laughs> I don't really think that he's a vampire drinking blood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it could be a reference to wine. It could be a reference, like, if red wine looks like blood. I don't know. Um, it could be any any kind of beverage that he's calling blood. Um, this is another thing, like, you can just apply whatever you want to believe it is. If you want it to be sexual, you can make it be sexual if you want. If you want it to be drug-related, you can make it be drug-related if you want. If you want it to be um, just alcohol or just any kind of beverage that one might drink at a at a dance party, you can make it to mean that. It can it could literally be anything because we just don't know. It's that it's that abstract. But apparently, it has an aftertaste because it just lasts <laughs> and lasts. So if you kiss somebody, you'll want to party all night. And that's another I think another line that may point to this being. A song about a party drug really because mm-hmm. that's what the intent of these drugs a lot of times were was to keep that adrenaline going so you could party all night where normal people would just you know pass out at bar time or even before that especially if you've been dancing and you know expounding a lot of energy out on the dance floor 
uh, you want to be able to party all night, you might need a little, little, little help, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, and I guess, uh, you know, to kiss somebody, you want to party all night because that necessarily pertain to the party that's happening in the club at the, in the dan- on the dance floor at that moment, or is that I've kissed you now, I want to party with you all night elsewhere as well. And then we start mm-hmm. getting into the sex stuff. So, uh, yeah, the aftertaste is the the lingering effects of the drug, and maybe even in the after effects, like coming out of it the next morning or whatever uh but anyway yeah yeah no i mean it's all valid it definitely could be this is going to be one of the harder songs for us to like well it's not going to be hard in terms of um coming up with maybe options or theories but i think we'll we'll end a lot of our discussion with could be maybe i don't know (laughs) (laughs) which I guess it's fine. It's just I'm not used to doing that because a lot of, you know, I'm so used to having like, this is a very clear song about this. This is a very clear song about this. And a song like this, you, you really can't do that. Not with a lot of confidence, at least. No. I don't know that I want to draw any direct lines <laughs> to this song. I'm, I'm okay with big going, I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With love songs or with something a little more benign, it's it's not, you don't feel quite as, uh, bad about point uh-huh. or painting a picture about a song being some about something so maybe illicit or being about something so um with negative connotations like right. drug use uh there really isn't much of a chorus here you just they repeat the line super funky califrage is sexy so i mean obviously it's just i don't think that that even has much of a meaning like i don't think there's anything really to to talk about there i think it's just something that he made up um again a spoof on the mary poppins song and was like that sounds cool let's do it and a uh, good I, maybe he was listening to uh p-funk or something at the time too it's a very parliament funkadelic kind of title right yeah yeah i mean they were they were creating kind of new language uh-huh. um, stuff that would you know follow into the into the lexicon the funk lexicon for a while there so it's just in the same vein as that absolutely if you do too much it's gonna be sensitive to the touch the first person that touch you you wanna fuck you take them to your crib and you turn to a chair you make funny faces do they get risky then you turn on the neon then you play with yourself till you turn them on Uh, the second verse, if you do too much, your skin will be sensitive to touch. The first person that touch you, you'll want to fuck. Take them to your crib, then you tie them to a chair, and you make funny faces till they get really scared. And you turn on the neon, then you play with yourself till you turn them on. Okay, so yeah. this, is, this, is, this is an interesting one. This is an interesting now one. Now we're getting freaky. Um, we're definitely getting freaky here. So, Todd, th- this is you had referred to in the Love Sexy tour where there's like a little bit of an SM scene. Does it kind of follow along a bit with what's the imagery we get in this verse, or is it different? Yeah, I mean, I think he, he tries to emulate on stage what the lyrics were. So, you know, the picture of so pretty know, closely. They, they pull up the chair, you know, uh, he sits down, cats tie him up, and. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, they they play out the lyrics of at least this verse, um, make it a little visual and fun and uh, a little a little crazy, um, mm-hmm. you know, to really hit home the 
the bizarre and dark world of the Black Album uh, in that moment in the, in the live show. Um, yeah, I like it. It's odd. Well, there's no yeah, explaining it, but it's, odd, but it's great. I love it. <laughs> but it, it definitely fit. I think it fit in exactly like you were saying. It just fit in with what Prince was trying to show in that section of the tour. And that was, or section of, you know, the show of that tour is kind of the real, like, freaky side of things. You know, this is a bit um, kinky, you know, and I think nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with being freaky and kinky and i don't know if he was trying to say like this is the kind of thing that he wants to get away from because i, I mean i guess if you if you take take a step back with this verse and you combine it with the first verse you get kind of a, a story that you're being told here about uh, a party going on maybe there's some drugs being passed around some alcohol dancing finally you meet up with somebody or hook up with somebody that you know, picks your interest. Uh, and that's the first two lines here. If you do too much, your skin, do too much, do too much drugs, possibly. Your skin will be sensitive to the touch. First person to touch you, you want to fuck. So I think, like, it's been widely acknowledged that ecstasy is another one of those drugs that kind of also acts as an aphrodisiac to an extent. So it's not that much of a stretch to, you know, to, to take uh, or to... Uh, an encounter on the dance floor then to be taken to that next level like okay we're we're both on it we're both experiencing this together let's take it to the physical you know the the physical step next and that's what this kind of verse feels to me so now they've left the club they're at the crib uh we've got a little like snm bondage tying somebody up and like the line you make funny faces till they get really scared like acting like a funny face like making funny faces is a you know is um is like a warm-up exercise like it's foreplay or something <laughs> which is a little bizarre but hey in the context of this song bizarre is the norm so yeah and then, it doesn't uh, it doesn't jump, sound jump, so bizarre <laughs> yeah and jump, jumping ahead well you know or maybe we can jump back when we come to it but the next verse mentions something about somebody with a funny face so anyway there's there's some uh, definite silliness going on, uh, for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. Then you turn on the neon. So, guessing he's just saying turn on the light, uh, so that she or he can see the other person playing with themselves until you turn them on. Yeah, I imagine a strobe light. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. if somebody has a strobe light in their house, I guess. Because <laughs> um, I always took this to mean like this is back at you know take him to your crib so it's back at his uh his or her house or apartment mm -hmm. so they've left the club at this point uh let's see what else in here yeah so just the whole playing with yourself in front of the other person to turn them on that i think there's been songs actually i think as a song that we did together a little while back um girl mm -hmm. we talked about we talked about that and uh you, know, you had the theory that this is uh, some of the lyrics in that song were about somebody pleasuring themselves in front of their partner uh -huh. as as like foreplay. Right. And that's a little I mean, if we take that to this song, then it's kind of like the same concept, except girl, it's a bit more like, I don't know, you know, I get a feeling it's a little more intimate. This just feels like it's <laughs> like it's just some sort of weird, freaky, drug filled sexual encounter that 
you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't involve a lot of like true emotions or uh, you know feelings. No, <laughs> it's no. just more transactional, I guess. Tra- yeah, that's a good word, transactional. <laughs> They're both on it, so <laughs> if we if we take it to mean uh, drugs, right? I don't know. I, I don't know why you'd want to make your partner scared in that or partner. I don't even know if partner is the right word. We'll just the, say uh, partner. Yeah, let's <laughs> leave it there. Um, so that's kind of weird, but uh, yeah, the neon. I always pictured a strobe light. Um, yeah, the, the masturbatory part of the act before the act is uh, not a new thing for for a Prince song. I don't think so. Um, yeah, um, yeah, we're getting dirty, and now it's going to get a little. He's going to start thinking about what's what's actually happening here. Yeah, it's um, a little yeah. more real in the next verse. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> they're still on that high here, obviously in the in the second verse. I think at least. Yep. So there's in the refrain a couple of lines that get repeated later on throughout the song. This beat is on time, refined and designed to make you do the do. Not much to say about that. I mean, do the do is just slang for having sex again. So I think whatever whatever he's talking about, like dancing, partying, listening to music, the beat is on time, refined and designed to make you do the do. So you know the music i think he's trying to say the music that he's creating or has created has intentions for sexual pleasure yeah that's all i, I think this is that. prince stepping out of the character in the song and stepping back into character as himself the song maker uh for a second and then jumping back into the song after so yeah exactly that's that's a good call out because i agree with that all right, so he does also mention the chorus again, Super Funky Califragis Sexy, a couple times before we move on to the third verse. Third verse is, the chair goes round and round. I feel like a clown because I'm stripped down. It's all fun and games till the very next day. Till damn, you don't remember my name. Maybe I'll see you next Thursday night. Maybe I won't. But that's all right. Because in my possession is a signed confession that says I was the best you ever had. Too bad. <laughs> all right, Todd. So third verse, what uh, what do you want to point out here? What What interests you about this? Yeah, so the, you know, feel like a clown is a callback to the last verse, maybe making funny faces. And there's some realization about, you know, you know, what am I doing? What's happening? And there's uh, some little, you know, um, uh, shards of reality are starting to slip in between the the drug fueled uh, craziness that's happening. Um, but it's all fun and games, you know, whatever. And then, uh, you know, again, reality is continuing to set in. It's like, okay, next day, you don't remember me? Uh, maybe, I don't, maybe I don't remember you, whatever. Um, but at least I got this, uh, you know, um, real or unreal, but it's still funny, the uh, signed confession in my hand to prove that it happened. Um, and I'm the best. 
<laughs> Whether you remember me or not, I'm had. still the best. Yeah. Yeah. He he wants us to make sure that, or wants us as the listener and his partner to make sure that if you don't remember anything, don't remember my name, barely remember what happened, that's what right. transpired the night before. At least I've got it. I've got proof, at least through a signed confession, that I was the best you ever had. Like, like <laughs> I don't know. I I just like, did he write? Am I the best you ever had? Yes or no? And then made her, <laughs> check, made her check yes. Check, check yes. yes. <laughs> like, check, like we did in, in in elementary school, right? Do you like me? Check yes for yes. Nope. Yeah, and yeah. then sign it and date it, so right, he knows right, right, that right. Uh, it's her signature. <laughs> it's just another funny um, kind of aspect of Prince's personality because this is certainly something he's done before. Right. He, he's very concerned about being the best that whoever has ever had depending on the song uh i couldn't even tell you all the times he's like talked about you were the best i ever had i was the best you ever had being mm-hmm. the best at sex like mm-hmm. that's important to him uh, it's, it's been important to him for years up to this point this isn't like a, a 1987 prince thing this is a forever prince thing so right. Right. <laughs> yeah and the chair again the chair goes round and round so i get the imagery this is the same chair that somebody was tied to of course i don't i don't know for sure like who's tied to who who's tied to the chair um doesn't really matter it could be either partner is the chair going around or is the world around them spinning around? <laughs> good point yeah good point yeah yeah you get the spins a little bit mm-hmm. uh stripped down so naked fun and games till the very next day so yeah it's basically the come down it's like you know dreading the next day when when the effects of the the recreation recreational drug or alcohol or whatever it is has worn off and now you're kind of just stuck with the the cold light of day the reality of the situation you found yourself in uh, and even though he's you know feeling like a clown a little bit maybe uh feeling a little bit like he was used or vice versa because don't remember his name Maybe I'll see you next Thursday. Maybe I won't. So he's not sweating it either way, right? I mean, he's feeling like, yeah, we had fun and it's all good. And if I see you again, great. If I don't, no big loss. We weren't we weren't in this for a relationship. We weren't in this for feelings. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the beat is on time, refined and designed to make you do the do. Super funky, califragisexy is repeated again. Um. Further down in the song, there we get some repeated lyrics. He'll repeat a couple of lines from the first verse. Keep the blood flowing down to your feet. Brother Maurice will be around in a minute, but he doesn't follow those up with the rest of the lyrics from the first verse. Uh, more repeats of the chorus and refrain. It's something different later on in the song that he mentions. It's not, I don't know how significant it is, but he just mentions in seven measures, I want somebody to scream. In seven measures. Significance is the number seven. He's always about the number seven, right? And uh, I think it's just a neat little musical mark where literally seven measures later, there's a scream that comes in. So, um, you know, whether 
I don't know. It, it's just a fun little element. I don't think it means anything. I think it's just a, a fun little musical element in the lyrics. That's all. Yeah, I think you pointed out the main one, and that's, of course, the reference to Seven again. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I like how it he follows that up and actually comes through with the, the scream later on. Uh-huh. <laughs> if your body needs water, keep dense, because you ought to keep the blood flowing down to your feet. Brother Marie, so be around in a minute with a buck of fill in it. Squirrel meat. But you can't beat him. If you can't beat him, join him. Um, all right, so then the fourth verse is pretty much the same as the first with some additional lines at the end of it. So if your body needs water, keep dancing because you ought to keep the blood flowing down to your feet. Brother Maurice will be around in a minute with a bucket filled in it, squirrel meat. But then shortly after that, then he says, if you can't beat them, join them. Slamming. Okay, so this one, if you can't beat them, join them. You know, we all kind of know what that means. We've heard that used before in our lives. It's just basically like, you know, kind of giving up, giving in uh-huh. to an extent. Um, maybe begrudgingly, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's like, you know, that's cool. I'm, I'm happy to do this. I was originally resistant for whatever reason, but I've resigned to join them in this case. I wonder what he's referring to here. I wonder if he was referring to... I don't know. What what do you think he was referring to? Do you have any theories? Uh, two that come to mind immediately. One is just 80s drug culture, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, everybody's doing it. Let me give it a shot. Can't beat them, join them. The other is the musical side of things with the, you know, what we referred to earlier about, uh, you know, rap and hip hop. Um, you know, this is the thing. You know, uh, it's not my thing, but why not? Let, let's, let's, Let's give it a shot, um, and and let me uh, let me jump on the bandwagon for a second. Uh, the other thing I'll add as a personal note, um, this is one of the more, and I remember feeling this way in the middle of like hearing the song for the first couple of times too. This is one of the more bothersome Prince lyrics for me because it's not what Prince is about. Mm-hmm. Prince is about you know being a trendsetter, a uh, trailblazer, not joining the crowd. So yeah, this this lyric always bothered me. Um, you know, in the context of the song, it's fine, but overall, it's a it's a shame Prince had to go to that place because um, he's he's you know in my eyes he's above it all. So, well, I mean, again, this is these are probably things that when he ultimately decided he didn't want to release this album, mm-hmm. I'm sure it wasn't just because of one thing. It might have been a combination of things, like ah, maybe I was a little too aggressive towards Cindy Crawford, or ah, maybe. You know, um, maybe Bob George crosses the line with uh, domestic violence or, you know, I don't really feel that way about super funky califragisexy anymore. I don't I mean, I'm over the drug thing. I don't want to put out a, a song that seemingly glorifies drug use. And, you know, a line like if you can't beat him, join him is not what Love Sexy was about at all. Love Sexy, the next album was about blazing his own trail and his path towards spiritual enlightenment when that was not the cool thing to be doing in late 80s pop music uh-huh. and that was not that was not necessarily going to be uh his pathway to further success so 
but he wanted to do it anyway. So that's that's ultimately what his choice that he made, and he did not join them in that case. I don't think he um, really followed his own advice with this line later on in his career. Right. Well, at least in in the immediate future, he did. He joined them a little bit musically in the you know in the early nineties. All right. So then we get um, basically the refrain again. The speed is on time. And he says all the time, so refined, specially designed to make you do the do. So it's just a slight rewording of of some of the lyrics that he's already said in the refrain. And then he also mentions, and kind of as the song ends in seven measures, I want somebody to, but then he doesn't finish the line. He kind of trails off, which is kind of kind of cool, kind of an interesting way of finishing the song. The two songs there on side two of the album of the black album uh this one in west compton are you know they kind of blend together like that and they're Mm -hmm. they're of the same sort of vibe too so it makes sense for them to to combine efforts Uh, but that's how this song technically this song ends seven measures i want somebody to so that's the song man we've uh we've come to the end of the lyrics um like i said it's six minutes so it's seemingly a pretty long song but a lot of the lyrics are it's front loaded with new stuff. Most of the stuff in the back half of the song is either repeats or just slight rewordings or rephrases, rephrasing of choruses and verses and refrains. Mm-hmm. So, um, any final thoughts about the song, Todd? Or yeah, I mean, if we just sort of step back and look at it, uh, you know, uh, from a, a bro- with a broader lens, it's you know, it's a party song. It's a it's a dance song. It's a club song it's you know so the lyrics while you can certainly dig into them and we have and and we should because they're worthy of scratching your head over at the very least um you know uh they're also there to kind of facilitate a groove you know or you know at least be part of a pop song that is mostly a groove let's say i don't know but uh yeah i mean the the repetition of the lyrics the repetition of the musical elements in the basically the second half of the song i guess is uh, just all there to just continue that groove, and um, and it's a groove. And actually, I have a a little bit of a, an extended version of the song, which is nothing more than more musical stuff, but no more lyrics or anything. But uh, it's a good groove. It's funky, man. I love it. And um, you know, lyrically, it's funky too. It's um, interesting. It's yeah. definitely interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. I think um, the song designed as it is and written as it is and performed as it is really works i get why prince maybe wasn't completely on board with it and you know his way of kind of uh, exercising this song out of him was to probably perform it on stage during love sexy tour because it's like you know what i wrote this song maybe it wasn't about it might have been about drugs and you know maybe i had a moment there where it sound like I was glorifying its use, but I'm going to use that as uh, more ammunition to show the old prince is dead. You know, this is the old prince, and I'm I've moved on, and and it's okay if I if I perform it in that context. Like this is this is my bad side, then it's it makes it all right because then I can show how I've changed and I've evolved, and uh, and that's what he did with the Love Sexy tour. So yeah, that that black album section of the love sexy show might have been the highlight for me uh i mean man it it sticks out it was fun it was you know it was was, um theatrical it was uh, a lot to see as well as listen to 
it was in the in the context of a of a show coming off supporting an album that had come out a few minutes a few months earlier and for most people they didn't know this music They're like what is this this bob george beat and this you know crazy snm song like what is this everybody perked up at that show whether you were a diehard or a newbie like what is this um yeah so it was definitely um uh, kind of an eye-popping, ear-popping experience at that concert. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Hopefully, one day we'll get we'll get a nice released version copy on Blu-ray, DVD. Yes, <laughs> where we can experience that for those of us that weren't there, myself included. Uh, um, that was my first it. concert experience, for a Prince concert experience. That's that was impressive. the one for me. Yeah, uh, lucky you. Congratulations, man! I, I've heard so many good things about that. I met somebody who um, who, who was the, isn't even a huge Prince fan today, but back in the late '80s was an enormous Prince fan, and she went and saw the Love Sexy tour. I'm like, man, you don't even like him that much anymore, but then you still saw him at Love Sexy. I was kind of mad at him for not doing Sign of the Times <laughs> in the United States. Yeah, and so I was grateful for the video that had come out in October '87, and I was like. I told my parents who didn't let me go to see Purple Rain, I said, I don't care what you do, I'm going. I'm going. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you were able to because that's probably one of the better or one of the most interesting, memorable performance performances, I would say, probably of his career. Yeah. From what I've heard. Yeah. No, it for me it is anyway. I mean, aside from the fact that it was the first, it was Man, it's uh, it, it was the I guess the most theatrical performance uh, that he's put on, right? I mean, I can't yeah. think of anything else. Yeah, so it's pretty darn theatrical. Yeah. All right, Todd. So, um, do you have any like social media handles you want to share with the the listeners to sure? To so, to? yep. So primarily, um, I haven't been as active lately, but for for the most part, I am mostly active on Twitter in the Prince world, anyway. And my handle at Twitter is at P-R-N, the number four, E-V-R, Prince Forever. Um, and I've got the little symbol on the microphone as my avi, so y'all can look for me there. Happy to interact with you, send me a note, follow me, I'll follow back, love talking Prince um, with uh, smart people and uh, people who know um, music in general, uh, besides just our boy, so yeah. Cool, cool. I'll make sure to share that on uh social media handles when i promote the episode so thank you so much for joining me todd i much appreciate your insight and uh, helping me work through this interesting (laughs) to say the least lyrical song from the black owl man like these songs are a trip (laughs) this album's a trip yeah yeah this is uh yeah this is one of the highlights for me so i was glad to be a part of the conversation thanks for having me back yeah you're welcome this is a dope song yeah so this has been the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenniger. You can find the show Presser Wine Pod on social media handles and Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, also on YouTube now. Um, check out older episodes as I upload them on YouTube, although they're without the music, but still I try to put other interesting stuff on there to to lure you over onto that um, social media platform. And you know, thanks to Todd, thanks to the listeners, and until next time, goodbye. Super.
in seven measures. I want somebody to 